Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, we're in the book of Revelation. We're going to jump right in because i got a lot of verses. Hopefully we can make it through. It's an exciting book. It's self-evaluation time as we read it. It's not all about death and destruction. It's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. And there is a lot of death and destruction in it. But God loves the world. And so if you're new or visiting here, the most important thing that you need to realize is God loves you. And God loves this world as we have 8 billion people now in this world. God loves every single person. Now, certain religions will tell you otherwise. Maybe certain groups will tell you otherwise. Maybe certain individuals will tell you otherwise. But we always go back to the Bible. For God so loves the world, past, present, future. His love is always there. Will we always love him? Will individuals love him? Well, that's what salvation is all about, and we'll get to that this morning. But I want you to know that immediately. Because as we get into this book, it is a lot of death and destruction. And we'll probably be a few months before we get to that part. And so you might have a view of, wow, God hates people. No, God does not hate people. True Bible-believing Christians do not hate people, but we're to speak the truth in love. There are absolute truths, and we need to stick to those absolute truths. There are biblical doctrines that we adhere to, and we'll even see some this morning. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that we get to open your word, as this is forbidden In 2023, this is against the law in various countries, predominant Muslim countries. It's banned. And if you get a hold of a Bible and leave Islam and become born again, it could cost you your very life. So, Father, we thank you and praise you that we can have a Bible freely still in this land. We see things are changing. We, we see people, Christians, that are being canceled, so to speak. But, Father, nobody can cancel our faith. Because our faith is based upon the Word of God that teaches us all truth and teaches us how to love each other and teaches us through your Holy Spirit and fill us with your Holy Spirit this morning that we might even do that. Not partaking of sin, but loving the sinner because you first loved us. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you for that privilege. And we thank you for the privilege of opening your word. I pray for the gift of teaching. And, Lord, as we go over these verses, I pray that you would touch our hearts. We don't need another Bible study, per se. We need a heart transformation. With everything that's going on in our culture, we need a heart transformation. We need our hearts guarded so that we don't become callous, so that we don't become hateful or angry, or bitter, or resentful, but that we would stay loving, agape love. Father, we thank you for this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's pick it up in verse 1, even though we've gone over these verses, our our text is going to be verses 6, 7, and 8, but Revelation chapter 1, and I encourage you to have a paper Bible, to make sure you keep your paper Bible, hopefully it'll be your best friend. AI is going to be coming out with its own version very soon here. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, 
who bore witness to the word of God. And guys, that's our ambassadors of Christ. That's our number one goal, to bear witness to the word of God. Not to bear witness of a political party, not to bear witness of an agenda, but to bear witness of the word of God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. So we've talked about this. You can get the CDs, but just very quickly. Blessed is he who reads. So as we read the word of God, any of the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, we're going to be blessed. That doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. We're not going to have any issues. That's not the point. You can get the study. So we're to be, we're to be reading the word of God. We're to be hearing the word of God and not just hearing, but actually listening to the word of God which we see our culture going against drastically, and then keeping those things that we have read and heard, keeping them. Which again, especially for you young people, you're going to have a very hard time with this um, because typically when we're young, for most people, we want to be accepted, we want to be a part of a group, we want to be a part of uh, a certain movement or whatever it might be. We have to make sure that we don't compromise the word of God to be a part of that group. So important. And when I became a Christian in 1978, I was a part of a group. Uh, I was a drug addict. And so I had to go against that, and I lost all my friends. But that's okay. I planted, I watered, I fertilized, and hopefully I will see some of them in heaven. You have to go by the word of God. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, verse 4, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. I believe that's speaking of the Father. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, I believe that's of the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The triunity of the Godhead. Again, you can get the CD for that. And, now our text this morning, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. The word end is used over 1,200 times in the book of Revelation. Over 1,200 times. End, end, end. It's a flowing book. And we're going to try to keep it that way as well. It's a flowing book. Behold, he is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So here at Calvary, we're going to jump right into it. Here at Calvary, we believe in a literal thousand-year reign of Jesus upon this earth after the tribulation. So a thousand years is a millennium, a millennium, a millennial is that thousand-year reign of Christ. We literally believe that we are going to rule and reign with him. And so I believe the verse here, verse 6, is referencing that and has made us kings and priests to his God the Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. What does that mean to you as a Christian? What does that mean to me? So let's look at Revelation chapter 2. Now we've got a lot of verses, so turn quickly. Revelation 2, 26. 
And he overcomes and keeps my words. And we know from 1 John, the overcomer is anyone who believes Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah. It's that simple. Don't make it a works mentality because it's not a works mentality. You are classified as an overcomer if you receive Jesus as your Savior. So when you read verses about being an overcomer, you are already there, but we want to look at the practicality of how can we continue to overcome this stinking flesh that we all carry with us until we take our last breath. All of us. And keeps my works until the end. To him I will give power over the nations. The nations. We're going to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. As I also receive from my Father and will give him the morning star. Look at Revelation 19. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And we have this painting in our East Lobby, a gal in the church, or not in the church, I'm sorry, but a gal whose family's in the church, and she's an artist, did it for us, right there in the East Lobby. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and we know this to be Jesus. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and his head, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So now we know it's Jesus. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. So that's going to be you and I. Every single Bible-believing Christian and those saints who knew God prior to the resurrection, prior to Jesus' coming, and testifying of, to, about himself in Abraham's bosom during those three days that he was not on this earth. They, we, we are all going to be coming on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And as you do your studies, you're going to find out that that's the word of God. That's the word of God. It's literally, he doesn't literally have a sharp sword coming out of his mouth. When he comes back to the earth, he's going to the brightness of his glory and the word of his mouth takes care of the battle. That's it. Read your Bible. That's it. Battle over. So you and I are not going to have swords. We're not going around killing people and slaying people. Jesus just shows up. And that's the end of the battle. But John is trying to write expressively via the Holy Spirit what he is seeing. And you could imagine 2,000 years ago or, or 1,900 years ago, uh, 1900 plus years ago, trying to express the many things that we're going to see. Um, it, it's, it's very hard for us to comprehend how hard that would be. You know, tanks and helicopters and things like that. that. That obviously was not around. But John, through the Holy Spirit, is expressing himself. Verse 15, again, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. Notice, he himself will rule them. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, and he has a, on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So again, we know this to be Jesus. Look at chapter 20, verse 4. 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus. So this is during the, the souls that came out of the great tribulation period. 
So not all souls from all time past, but specifically from the seven years of the Great Tribulation, and for the Word of God. Now we, as I prayed, we don't comprehend because we have you know one Bible, two Bibles, three Bibles in our home. You have it on your phone. We can listen to it. On, we can watch it on TV. We can listen to it over the internet. We can listen to it on TV. We have so many mediums where we can listen to it. We just can't comprehend this. But guys, this is against the law in many, many countries. Against the law. And during the tribulation period, it's going to become against the law to have a Bible. Now, there are going to be people that get saved. There are going to be Christians upon this earth. The Holy Spirit is not leaving everyone to themselves. I'm out of here. Hope you can make it. No, the Holy Spirit is still going to be ministering, but the church is removed. That symbol of the bride of Christ. We're removed at the rapture. So if you don't know Jesus now, and you think it's getting a little hard now, you want to receive Jesus before the rapture, because afterwards, if you receive Christ, it's going to cost you your head, literally. You will literally be hunted down and executed for the word of God. Who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands. Notice, so that's definitely during the tribulation. What's going to happen? They had, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So with these verses, we can clearly see that we'll be coming back to help rule and reign over this earth for 1,000 years. In 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, it says... But you are a chosen generation. The Holy Spirit saying to you and I this morning, yes, you have a name, you have a first name, you have a last name, you have a family history. Maybe you've done the DNA and you've tracked your history back, so forth and so on. Once you receive Jesus as your Savior, you are now different. Your family history, yeah, it's okay. But now I'm part of the family of God. And the rest of my family might be atheist, or they might be agnostic, or they might be homosexual, or they're going down the road of trans, or they hate me, or they like me, or there's a believer here or there in my family. This is the family. This is my family anyways. This is the family of God. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is not a holy nation, guys. We are not one nation under God as we see this administration pushing for abortion, pushing for abortion, pushing for abortion, pushing for gender dysphoria. They're pushing it on even preschoolers. This is a nation under God. Wake up. Judgment's coming. But you as a believer in this unholy nation, we as individuals are holy, so us collectively make up a holy nation. The United States is not a holy nation. The church is a holy nation. We're a nation living within a nation. Our brothers and sisters in Christ in other state or other community, uh, countries, we make up that holy nation. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm not going to show a sign of hands. I, I know all of you are in darkness because that's what our God teaches us. And maybe some of you are in darker... Really darkness. It doesn't matter how dark it was. You were going to hell. I was going to hell. Good people that think they're good people, they're in darkness. They don't have the light of Christ in their lives. They're going to hell. Verse 10, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, 
who had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. Why is that so important to bring that up? Because, guys, our country is going down. And you and I have the word of God. Register, vote. I do all of those things. Sign petitions. Do all of those things. But don't forget the most important thing. We are Bible-believing Christians. And the things that are happening do not surprise us. It will be, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot. It will be as it was in the days of Noah. Guarantee from Jesus. So we're not surprised. We're grieved. Immensely grieved. But we shouldn't be surprised. How exactly that is going to play out, we'll have to wait and see how we're going to rule and reign. But it does apply to you and me as a Bible-believing Christian. One last section of verses to consider about this topic. I mean, there's other verses, but for this morning, for time, you'll want to compare these verses here with the parable that we're going to read with the parable in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. You might want to write that down. The parable of the talents. Remember that the stewards came and they were giving 10, 5, and I think 2. So check that out, or 1. You'll find this verse at the end of that parable where Matthew 25, 30 says, And cast the unprofitable servants. So one of those servants was considered unprofitable. And notice it says, Cast that unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That cannot be a Christian. It's very important that you understand this. You might have to debug your program. Because religion will teach you, well, if you work hard enough, if you pray hard enough, if you do enough good works, if you knock on doors, if you read magazines, if you belong to our organization, maybe God will love you. And if you just keep doing that, maybe God will let you into heaven. That is not scriptural. That is not in the scriptures. Once you receive Jesus as your Savior, we went over this in the New Believers class. Let's pass Wednesday night. If you're a new believer, come to the New Believers class on Wednesday nights. You're sealed until the day you die. God does not lose his kids, and God does not send his kids to hell. He doesn't send anybody to hell. If you don't want to receive Jesus, you're, making, you're saying, you know what, I don't want this God thing. I want to go to hell. You're going to hell. It's not going to be sweet. And here's a verse right here. We're reading it. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why do I bring this up? Because let's look at Luke 19. And these verses will tell us and give us some insight into about the millennial reign of Christ. But you'll want to notice that difference about the last servant. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Notice that. They thought that Jesus was the conquering Christ, that we're going to overthrow Rome and everything's going to be wonderful and we're going to rule and reign on this earth, not until the millennial reign of Christ. I don't blame them. We would have been doing the same thing once they got the Holy Spirit and once the rest of the New Testament was written. Then they came to understand. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants. Notice, ten of his servants. Delivered to them ten minas. Again, notice, ten servants. They all got the exact same amount to invest. Very, very important to the parable. In the other parable, there were three servants, and they received different amount, remember? And then they went and invested them, but the one hid it, okay? 
and said to them, do business till I come. That's the exhortation for you and me this morning. We're to do business. And that doesn't necessarily mean worldly business. And if you are a business person, this is not a knock. This is just to to differentiate. For all of us, when you look that up and study that, that means to be busy about my father's work. You see, I have a father, a heavenly father. My earthly father died at 100 years old. But I have a heavenly father. And I'm to be busy about what he would have me to do on any given day at any given time. So when I worked at Motorola, that was my business. I was to be busy at Motorola, not abusing the time, not taking 15 or 20-minute breaks when it was only 10-minute breaks, not using company computer, not taking home company paper, none of that. It's the companies being that good example of the one. I want to be a good example. I want to be a good employee. So I did business to my father by being that good employee. If you're a supervisor, that means you be a good supervisor. You don't harass your employers. You don't manipulate your employees. You do right with them. You take care of them. You're being that example. You're doing the father's business. But his citizens, verse 14, hated him. Does this sound at all like today? Guys, this is us. God has given us a gift, at least one spiritual gift. Every single one of you in this room as Bible-believing Christians. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, let me clarify that. You have a spiritual gift. How are you investing that? You're going to heaven. Get, get that off the table. Don't be immature. You're going to heaven. Oh, I hope I make it. Grow up. You're God's kid. You are going to heaven. How are you investing the spiritual gift that God has given to you? This is what this parable is talking about here. Ten people, ten minas. But the citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Sounds like America today, doesn't it? Almost 2,000 years later. We don't want the God of the Bible to reign over us. We want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, with whomever we want to do it with. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, your master, your mina has earned 10 minas. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you are faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. I personally believe this is in direct correlation to the millennial reign of Christ. It does not line up with the other parable. So they're two separate parables. So if you want to rule and reign with Christ, you need to show yourself faithful on this side of heaven with what God has given to you. Not just the money and the house and the other possessions. Yes, be faithful with those. But how are you being faithful with the gift that God has given to you? Because the streets in heaven are literally paved with gold. So you're not going to take any of your gold with you and say, God, look what I brought to you. And he's going to look at it and go, great, you brought asphalt. What am I going to do with asphalt? And the second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. So guys, lift your eyes from the physical plane to the spiritual plane. God has given us gifts. Not to be squandered, not to be put on the shelf, 
Not to be hidden, embarrassed, afraid of. Then another came saying, Master, here is your mina which I kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit. Now here the parable in physical realm starts to go askew because this is not the heavenly father. But he taught it in a way that they would understand. So now that we're away from that culture and we have the whole word of God, we can look at it and go, okay, this is, this is not fitting now the heavenly father. So you still apply the other principles. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. We know that's not true because Jesus said you're reaping on those who died before you. Hundreds and hundreds of years, you're reaping what they sowed. So again, when you read a parable, you've got to differentiate and make sure that you keep your head right. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that I, at my coming I might have collected it in, with interest? And he said to those who stand by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here, now notice it doesn't say anything about throwing that unfaithful servant into hell where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. No, it doesn't say that at all. So you've got to keep the context of the text. He's just an unfaithful servant. You see, you and I, we can be unfaithful servants. We have something in your workplace. If you're paid to do something in your workplace and you don't do it, and they give you a warning, and you just continue not to do it, and they give you a second warning, which is one too many, and you continue to do it, and then they give you a third warning to save themselves from litigation, and then they fire you, and you walk and go, well, I don't get, I don't understand why you're firing me. Because you were an unfaithful servant. That's why. Now, they're going to use those terms, but that's basically if, you know, when I worked for somebody, I was a servant, not a slave, a servant. I was a willing servant. You don't like your company? Leave. They probably don't like you either. Just leave. Go where you're going to serve with a smile on your face and joy in your heart. Say, I'm serving God. And you get the benefit. Because that's what it's all about, guys. But bring here those enemies of mine. Not Christians. Christians are not enemies of God. Who are the enemies of God? Verse 14. But his citizens hated him. The unbeliever, not the believer, the unbeliever. Notice that. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. I believe these verses show us that we do have spiritual responsibilities on this side of heaven. You cannot brush it off, although I know sometimes we want to. And maybe you've never heard this before. I know different, you know, people come from different denominations, different churches, and to them, the gifts, according to your previous church doctrine, the gifts died with the apostles. That is not correct. That's not scriptural. The gifts did not die with the apostles. So this is foreign to you. You have to debug the program. You're going, well, I thought they died with the apostles. That's okay. I don't blame you. You were taught that. Read your Bible. You have a gift, and you're going to be held responsible for that gift. And these responsibilities will have an impact on our future responsibilities of ruling and reigning with Jesus on this earth. 
personally, I, I, I know we're all going to get there. Praise God. We're going to be serving Jesus. What that looks like, again, I don't know. But I know enough about the Bible where I, you know, I just don't want Jesus to say, hey, I got a message for you. Go over there, but then come right back. I don't want that. I want you to say, hey, you know what? You've been faithful. I want you to go take care of that city over there. And when you're done with that one and get that one, you know, you're over that, then I want you to do this one and this one and this one maybe. Whatever it is, that's, that's what I hope I hear. What is your hope? Just to make it? That's an immature hope. You're going to make it. That's already done. You're already going to heaven. Get past that. No, I want to go because Jesus said store up treasure in heaven. Remember we talked about that last week? Jesus said, store up treasure in heaven. I don't think he would have said that if he didn't want us to do that. So these are very important principles here. That should cause us to really consider how we use the gifts of the Holy Spirit that have been given to us. Back in Revelation, that was verse 6, verse 7. Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Zechariah 12, 10 says, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. So this is specifically speaking of the Jews. Because they had the word of God. The Gentiles did not have the word of God. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for his firstborn. Here we have the word of God and I didn't receive Jesus as my savior. And if you're here this morning, you're a Jew or you're a Gentile, there's only two groups of people on the face of the earth according to the word of God. There are many nations, but just two groups of people. You're either a Jew or a Gentile. If you don't receive Jesus as your Savior, you're going to be mourning on that day when you stand before Jesus. You're going to be mourning. And then you will be banished. You will not spend eternity with God. It's your own decision. It's your own choice. There are hundreds of citations and allusions from the Old Testament. Many are from the prophetic books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. But there's also references out of Exodus, Psalms, the references to Zechariah, Joel, Amos, and Hosea. And now you might be going, wow, I've, I've never even heard of some of those books. Well, then get a daily reading schedule. We have them back at our agape boxes. Get a daily reading schedule. It's, they're free. You'll read through the Bible. You'll read through the Old Testament once by doing two or three chapters per day. You'll read through the Old Testament once. You'll read through the New Testament twice. All of those allusions are coming from the Old Testament. So you need to be reading the Old Testament to help you understand the book of Revelation, to keep it in proper perspective. That's why some people go crazy with it. They don't have the proper perspective of the whole word of God. As the verse starts out, look at the verse there, the first word. We're called to behold. That means this is the definition. Really deep. C-S-E-E. Deep Greek, huh? C. C. 
We're called to behold. It's used 25 times in Revelation. 25 times. See. Look. So the question is, what are we looking at? What consumes our thoughts? As we're studying the book of Revelation, I as a teacher try to make it practical and pertinent. What is consuming your attention? What are you seeing? What are you looking at? COVID and the various extremes of it. There's been a lot the last three years. Politics, totally bizarre. War, the economy. Oh, by the way, they might be saying this week or the next couple weeks that we're in a recession. (gasps) I would have never known if you hadn't told me. We've been in a recession for two and a half plus years We've been in hyperinflation. Been to Dairy Queen lately? (laughs) You can buy two gallons of ice cream. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. I'd rather go buy two gallons of ice cream. Have it for two weeks. A wayward loved one? Are you consumed with that? Our health, whether that's being in health, is that what you're looking at all the time? Checking yourself out in the mirror? Checking out how you take care of yourself? We have to have that balance. We should be taking care of ourselves. Or the lack thereof. Maybe you're going through a lot of issues and that's just consuming you. That's what you're looking at. That's what you're beholding. And it's bringing you down. Read your Bible. This is corrupting. Read your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is corrupting every single day. I look up, I look in the mirror, I go, yeah, there it is. It's corrupting right in front of my eyes. Let me put my glasses on so I can see because my eyes are corrupting. It's just corrupting. It's just the way it is. You see, the Holy Spirit here encourages us to do what? Behold Jesus. I encourage us as well to keep our eyes on Jesus, guys, in these evil days. Is Trump going to save us? I mean, come on, guys. All else will fade. All else will one day burn. Read your Bible. It's all going to burn. And one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Let that consume our lives. Let that consume your life. If you allow that to consume your life, if that's what you keep your eyes on, all else will fall into proper perspective. You know, there's that one verse, or not a verse, a phrase... Um, and I'll probably mess it up because I didn't have it in my notes. Um, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. How many of you ever heard that phrase? I know all you old people have. <laughs> There's a lot of old people in here. A lot of hands went up. And those old people are young people. Wow, you've heard that phrase even as a young person. Don't be so heavenly minded you're no earthly good. How about, why don't you be so heavenly minded that you're some earthly good? Because most Christians are not even heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. They're, they're more focused on their 401k and the stock market than they're on in their neighbor's soul going to hell. So just clarify the issue. Be, of, be, of, be heavenly minded so that you and I can. You can put that in my notes for second service. Be earthly good. So notice that Jesus is coming from heaven. Revelation. Behold, Revelation 1.7, he is coming with clouds. 
You see, over the centuries, there have been teachings that the Messiah will come from somewhere upon this earth. Way back when, um, let me see, I was working at a machine shop. It was the early 80s, and I actually had a discussion where this guy told me that the Messiah was going to come, and I forget where. I just remember I had that discussion. I go, no, he's not. It's in the Bible. And, and during break or during lunch, we, I opened my Bible and showed him. The Messiah is coming from this earth. He already did. His name is Jesus. You see, it's false teaching, but it's out there because people are really now looking for the Antichrist. That's who they're looking for. And I personally believe he's alive. So it's very important for us to remember verses like this. The Messiah is coming again. Notice, behold, he is coming with clouds. Didn't the angels even tell the disciples? Why are you standing here gawking? That's what they were saying. Why are you gawking into heaven? The way Jesus went up is the way he's coming down. It's in the scriptures. We want to be careful that we continue to read the scriptures so that we don't get sidetracked. No one is going to be able to say that they didn't know that Jesus was back in town. I believe that this is the time that Daniel spoke of and that Jesus made reference to while on this earth. Daniel 12 11 through 12. And from that time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up. That did not happen. That did not happen ever in the temple. Ever. So this is a future temple. And there will be a future temple built on the Temple Mount. In 25, if things are still okay, which they typically are. I've been on the Temple Mount 10 times. Um, we'll go up on the Temple Mount, and you will see there's plenty of room to build a temple. The Jews are going to have a temple on the Temple Mount. And halfway through the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to put in the abomination of desolation. We'll see it in Revelation, in the holy place. So Daniel is prophesying. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there should be 1,290 days. Till what? So as you read your Bible, you want to ask yourself some questions. Till what? I personally believe that's until Jesus comes back and steps foot on this earth. Now don't panic. Because right now you might be thinking, that's blasphemy. Because Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour. Did Jesus know the book of Daniel? Yes. Huh. So if Jesus said that, then what could that be referring to? And again, I personally believe this is another reference to the rapture. So people that say, well, the rapture, you know, that's a 150-year-old teaching. No, 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 no. It's hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years old. The rapture. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. Now, as you read that, you'll notice that there's 45 days. Now, why would Daniel, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, give the people who are going to be reading the Bible something about the abomination of desolation, give the exact number of days, and then throw on 45 more days? Filler? Just for filler? Let's just throw it out there and see what happens. 
You know, if they would have been reading the Bible, Daniel prophesied when Jesus was going to come into the gates of Jerusalem the exact day. That's why Jesus wept over Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you had only known the hour this day of the coming, paraphrasing, it's in your Bible, they would have known the exact day when the Messiah was going to come into Jerusalem, but they blew it off. So I personally believe, I won't argue with you, I personally believe we know the exact day that Jesus is coming back to this earth. The rapture is different. He's not coming back to this earth. He's meeting the church in the clouds. We'll get to that. The daily sacrifice is going to be taken away halfway through the tribulation period. So Davis gives us the exact date of the Lord's return. Not his first, called the rapture where the church meets the Lord in the air. We don't know that time. We don't know that day. But we should be looking at the seasons because Jesus said, you will know the seasons. And the birth pains of the last days as the indication, though. But I believe that Daniel gives us this second physical return to this earth. That's why we're to remain alert of the Lord's eminent return for his bride, the church. He could come at any day. We don't know when the rapture is going to happen, but we do know that it is going to happen. Let's look at Matthew 25. Let's look at Matthew 25 to see if through the scriptures I might be able to clear something up in your mind. And again, I won't argue with you. This is just the way I see the scriptures. I don't see it as being heretical at all. I don't know when the rapture is, so I don't know when Jesus is coming back. So I'm not saying I know when Jesus is coming back as far as taking away the church. But I truly believe that the person is alive at that time, which the church will... I will not be here, so praise God, I'm going to be in heaven. But if somebody is on this earth, and they are surviving the Great Tribulation, and they see the day, because there is going to be a day, kind of like there's going to be a day where this crashes in America. Right now we're still humming along in Queen Creek. The rest of the country, guys, go out and look at the rest of the country. People are hurting. People are... You don't want, I don't want to use the word starving, But when you have to rely upon the government for your food, in other words, if you didn't have the government, you would be starving. That's a reality in our country. We are imploding. Matthew 25. So what's going to happen during that 45-day period? Well, Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory. Didn't we just read that in Revelation? You stay there. Behold, when He is coming with clouds, Revelation 1, 7. And every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth, all of humanity, will mourn because of him. Oh, bummer. He's back. Those Christians were right. This is not good. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. I believe this is going to be in Jerusalem. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? 
When do we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. I believe that's in reference to the last seven years, the Great Tribulation. Now, yes, we can apply it to ourselves as well. We should be visiting and taking care of people. But in context, when the Son of Man comes in His glory, when He comes in His glory, keep the context. When He comes back to this earth, He's going to be talking to people, not us, we're already in heaven. Not to any believer who has died. He's going to be talking to believers that have survived the Great Tribulation. Then he will also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Notice that. People say, well, there's no talk of hell. Jesus talked about hell a lot. Because he created it for who? Right there in your Bible, for the devil and his angels, not for a human being. God sends nobody to hell. You want to go there? You have free will? He will allow you to go there. And when you stand before him, not saved, don't argue with him that you want to get into heaven because he's going to say, no, you had your chance. You were a human. You died at a certain date. You had no no reincarnation, no second chance. And I ministered to you through this person on this date, and I ministered to you through this person on this. And he's going to have it all listed out. And you're going to bow your knee, and you're going to bow your head, and you're going to say, you are righteous. I do not deserve to come into heaven. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? I believe this is during the Great Tribulation period. When the love of many is going to grow cold. Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, and you did not do it to me. I'm sorry, let me read that again. Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You see, after this judgment, now after this judgment, this is not the great white throne judgment. This is just the separation of sheep and goats. Those who have survived the great tribulation, that seven-year time period, that we're going to see in Revelation. So after this judgment, the millennial reign of Christ will start. And those believers who survived the tribulation will live for hundreds of years. We believe that it's going to go back to that pre-Noah state, that water canopy around the whole earth that guards our bodies, or their bodies, not mine anymore, but their bodies from the radiation, from the sun. And they will repopulate the earth and will rule and reign with Jesus. Back in Revelation. I know this is a lot of information, so hopefully you're writing it down so you can study it again on your own and solidify it in your own mind. Behold, he is coming with clouds and everyone will see him, even those who pierce him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen, so be it. And then Jesus, verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. 
Those of you who have a red letter edition of the Bible, you'll see that this verse is in red, which insinuates that Jesus is speaking. There are other people who will say this isn't Jesus speaking, but it's God himself. So, but let's notice that this individual says in the rest of the chapter, because it's obviously one individual that is addressing John here. So again, as you read your Bible, you want to keep everything in context. Just read verses before, read verses after, and it'll show you. John just mentioned in verse 7, those who pierced him. God the Father has never been pierced. But as we know, obviously, Jesus was pierced on the cross. So let's look at some other verses that speak of this idea of the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Isaiah 41.4. Who has performed and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am the first and the last. I am he. Isaiah 44, 6, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. Let's look at Isaiah 44 very quickly. We're running out of time very quickly. Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. If you're new or visiting, we encourage you to have a paper Bible. You can find it. When they turn your phone off, you're going to want to know where your Bible is. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. I will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice. I personally believe this is speaking of the Messiah, which we know to be Jesus. He will not flail nor be discouraged till he has established justice on the earth. And the coastlands shall wait for his law. Thus says the Lord, thus says God the Lord, we who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, he who gives breath to the people on it, God holds our very breath, and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. Who would that be? The Jews. They were to be the light to the Gentiles. Going all the way back to Abraham, Abraham was to be the light to the Gentiles. He was a first Jew, but he was an Arab. To open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sat in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, the new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. If God the Father and God the Son are not co-equal, so think this argument out a little bit. Then the Father gave his glory to someone else, and we just read that he would never give his glory to anyone else, ever. So who's John speaking to back in Revelation? Let's look at verse 11, chapter 1, verse 11, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Let's look down to verse, I think it's uh, verse 17, verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he said, but he laid his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid, 
I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. Did God the Father ever die? No. So as you read your Bible, it's going to become obvious what is being spoken. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Praise God. The first and last, once again, this is obviously the same individual, but notice that he makes reference to being dead. We're going to skip John 10. We're out of time. But I'd like you to take a picture or quickly write down these verses. The slide on how about Revelation 2.8. Write these down. Hey, sweetie. I don't have time. I'm talking to my wife back there. <laughs> Got to make sure. Yeah. All the ladies are going, did he just call me sweetie? No, no. I got one sweetie, my bride. How about you? How about Revelation 2.8? So write all those down, and that will tie into what I'm speaking of. Because people do what with Jesus? He was a great prophet, Islam. He's the spirit brother of Lucifer. He's Michael the Archangel reincarnated. He's a good teacher. All the isms. All the isms. What are they attacking? The deity of Jesus Christ. Come on up, Sue. The deity of Jesus Christ. So be aware. When you read your Bible, it's going to cross-reference. Read your whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and it will become clear. We just read it. I might not have been able to convey it properly, so that's why you could do further study. It's clear in my mind. Sometimes I can't get it out right. But do your own study and get it clear in your own mind through the scriptures, and it will become clear. Can we borrow Sophie? We're going to borrow Sophie's mic here. Actually, that one's quite short. This one's quite short. Oh, it is quite short, isn't it? Yeah, that's probably because you're short, Sophie, so they gave you a short cord. Oh, that wasn't nice. Yes, it was. She can handle it. Hello, my name is Claudia Remington, I'm Pastor Jim's wife, and I'm just up here to invite the ladies to our new women's Bible study that's going to start August 1st, which is right around the corner. We're going to be going through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, verse by verse, and it starts August 1st, it ends November 21st, and so every other week on Tuesdays, either at 9 a.m. or 6.30 p.m., you can come join us, and by Thanksgiving, you'll be done with three books of the Bible, which is pretty exciting. So um, child care is in the evening upon request only if you're a single mom or your husband's at work at that time. And we enjoy worship and live teaching, small group time, and of course food and fellowship. We always have that. And this is a place to really come out and get to know the women. You will be blessed. You will get into a small group. You could do a homework group or a non-homework group. And homework means that you pick up the book and you'll do your homework. And non-homework means you just come and listen and study on your own and you'll have questions in your small group time. So you're not going to miss out. We understand everybody has different seasons of life. And so the books are in the bookstore for $10. And if you want to get it spiral bound, you can run over to Staples for 4 bucks. It really is kind of nice. But um, if you can't afford it, we always do not want that to be something that you keeps you from coming. So if you have questions or you would like to sign up in the back, that just helps us to prepare for you. But if you don't sign up and you still come, that's fine too. So we're excited.
Okay. I just had one, one question. I, I, you probably said it. So even if you're not going to do the homework, you should still get the book, right? Well, you can. It's up to whatever you want to do. It's, we okay. make it easy for okay. everybody. You could get the book. You don't have to get the book. It's, we haven't had any issues. Everybody's been blessed, and nobody looks down on somebody if they're not doing homework. <laughs> Amen. It's Amen. great. Thanks, sweetie. Amen. Well, Matt, I'm going to give you back the mic. Amen. So Claudia is 5'11". And uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you a clue here so what you don't want to say to her. So as she's in the store sometimes, you know, <laughs> sometimes people will come up to her and go, oh, my, you're a tall one. <laughs> and I go, she goes, I don't know what to say to him. I go, well, just say, oh, my, you're a wrinkly one. <laughs> go, just, just be nice and tell him the truth. I mean, it's just the truth. <laughs> You're not being mean. It's the truth. She's tall. Yes. Praise God. I love it. She's tall. So what? You're short. So what? Who cares? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. And we thank you, Lord, that you've made us individually for a specific purpose, a specific plan. We're made in the image of God. And every human being is made in the image of God from conception. It's not a bunch of mucus. It's a human being. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you for your creation. And, Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to move amongst us this week and to move in our lives this week, to minister to our coworkers, to minister to our neighbors, to minister to our family members. Billions of people are going to hell. And we're obviously not going to reach billions, but we could reach one or two or three, our sphere of influence with the gospel. So fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we studied this day, I pray for all of us that we'd be aware of the spiritual gift that you have given to us. For you're going to hold us accountable with what we did with it. And how that's all going to play, I don't know, but you do. We know you're a merciful, gracious God, but you are going to hold us accountable. So we should have a holy fear with that. We should have a holy reverence, just like we do with our employers just like we do when the policeman pulls us over for speeding. We're to have a reverence for the the speed limit. So Lord, help us to to have that healthy respect, healthy reverence for you and what you've given up for us to use. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.